Probably one of the more common responses to the question of how are you these days is good, busy, but good. Wouldn't you say that's pretty accurate? Most of the time when you ask somebody, well, how are you doing? They say, well, good, busy, but good. It seems to me, and I think it's pretty evident to all of us, that the default mode of life speed for those of us who live in this context, in this culture at the beginning of the 21st century, is to live lives that are extremely busy. We just always have something to do. It seems to be the natural way to live. In fact, I think a few years ago, and this was like in the the 1980s, they did a study that showed that this part of the United States was the busiest. The pace of life was the fastest in New England than any place in the country. And they did that by measuring how long people took to go to the post office or to do their grocery shopping or write down the list. We always seem to be in a rush because we got so much stuff to do. Indeed, business has become our default mode for how we live our lives. We leave for work before the sun comes up most of the year, and we get home after the sun goes down. And in between, we're packing in more and more work. It's just filled with appointments and responsibilities, so much so that most of us leave the office at the end of the day with a briefcase full of stuff that we got to work on that night. Unemployment is up, but so is production. So that means somewhere out there, those corporations and employers are trying to squeeze more out of less people. And our lives just get busier and busier and busier. And it's become an, an epidemic, so much so that I think that it's almost become an assumption on our part that in order to prepare our kids to be ready for adult life, we've got to teach them how to be extremely busy. You know, they're just, they're just engaged in everything. You know, not only do they have school and sports and homework and then music lessons and then the robot club and all this other kinds of stuff that we just cram in. And before you know it, our kids are out five nights a week and they got stuff to do Saturday and Sunday. And every single day of the week is just cram full of stuff. And then we believers come along behind all of that. And we hear the scripture say, don't be just hearers of the word, but doers. So on top of this entirely and just cram full schedule, we add in things like Bible study and worship and serving in ministries and home groups and etc. And before you know it, our, our calendars have absolutely zero white space in them. And then we encounter a commandment like this morning. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. If you have your Bibles, turn with me if you will to Exodus chapter 20. If you're using one of our pew Bibles, our text today is, page, is on page 62. If you're using your own Bible, we'll be in verses 8 through 11 of Exodus chapter 20. You actually find the exact same text in Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter. It's really at the beginning of the formation of the people of God and at the exodus of Moses from the life of the people. God reminded them about these basic values, these timeless truths on how to do life well. And the fourth of those commandments of the Ten Commandments is, God says, remember to dedicate the Sabbath day. You are to labor six days and do all your work. But on the seventh day, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the foreigner who is within your gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. In six days, then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. You know, typically we 21st century Christians just dismiss this commandment. You know, we, we, the relevancy, if you will, even the, even the, the, 
how pragmatic or how practical it is to observe this. Just, it seemed almost to kind of go right out the window when the blue laws were removed. You know, back when nothing happened on Sundays besides church, the stores weren't open, there were no Little League games, no soccer events, and etc. We, we, we had more time, if you will, just to slow down. But once kind of all those barriers, that boundaries got lifted, it's just like the, this, the whole relevancy of this command just kind of went right out the door. You know, I want to remind us this morning that we've been looking at the Ten Commandments because they are God's gift to us. God's trying to bless us. He's trying to tell us how to live life well. And He's given us these timely truths. And we've already looked at three of these. We've looked at the the first commandment, have no other gods before me. And we've understood that we, in order to live life well, we need to put God first in everything. And He says not to make any graven image, not to make any idols. We've understood that God calls us to accept no substitutes for Himself at the center and the priority of our lives. Then last week we, we looked at do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. We've understood that we need to take God seriously in every aspect of our lives. We need to have a sense of urgency with all of that. But we come to this text today where it calls us to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. You know, often I think many of us, we just kind of dismiss the, the discussion of all of this. And, and what we really do is we kind of leave the, the struggle with this commandment to what I call the marginalized. You know, we, we want to engage in discussion about like the, the Orthodox Jews who are living in, in Israel who, who throw rocks at cars that drive through their neighborhoods on the Sabbath. Because you're not supposed to drive on the Sabbath. And we say, what's up with that? You know, and I don't want to do that. And so we just kind of blow this whole commandment off. Or it's the whole discussion of what really is the right day for Sabbath. You know, the Muslims say it's Friday. The Orthodox Jews and the Seventh-day Adventists say it's Saturday. And the Christians in general say it's, it's Sunday, the Lord's Day, the day of His resurrection. So if nobody knows which day to, to really observe the Sabbath, maybe we should just throw the whole thing out and we just kind of let it all go. But in many ways... For the most part, what has seeped into our mind and our consciences, and which has robbed us of the value of what God tries to give us in Sabbath rest. We just kind of let all of that to kind of get washed away from us as the church just has slowly bought into a misunderstanding of Colossians 2.16 where it says, Therefore don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or in a matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. And so what we've said is, well, no, nobody has the right to judge me on how I observe my Sabbath, so I'll just do whatever I want. And we've just kind of dismissed all this kind of stuff out in Maybe at a minimum we'll say, well, at least I should go to church. Maybe that's, that, that should be at least one part of a Sabbath. But after that, it's just another day just like every other day. Day to get back to the office, catch up on the things I didn't get done Monday through Friday, etc., etc. And, and I want to challenge us this morning to stop and to revisit the value of the Sabbath rest. To, to come to a fresh appreciation of why it is that God has given us this commandment for our benefit. In fact, I'd give you three reasons why you... All of us this morning should stop and reconsider the significance of the fourth commandment to us. First of all, and I don't know if you noticed this or not, but this is the longest of any of the commandments. Over here, God says, don't murder. Done. Nothing else to be said. We, we'd most say, well, that's a pretty important commandment, isn't it? You know, don't, don't kill anybody else, you know. Over here, he's talking about the Sabbath, and it's verse 8, verse 9, verse 10, it's verse 11. It's the longest of any of the commandments. You know why that is? It's because we are going to, we as God's creatures are going to feel more pressure and have a greater ability to rationalize just excusing away, if you will, the fourth commandment. And God, so God harps on it. He says, I don't want you to miss this. You know, you're going to be, yeah, you know, that's not an important one. You know, rest, who needs a nap? Forget that, you know. 
God, you know, we, we'll just blow it off. And God said, no, 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 no. And so he talks about it for a long time. And I want to suggest to you that it means there's something here for us. And we shouldn't miss it. You also notice this is the first commandment that's stated positively. No other gods. No idols. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And, and it's, it's almost like God shifts gears to say, I want you to understand there's something in this for you. I'm not just giving this to, to infringe on your golf game. I'm giving this to you for your blessing. I'm not necessarily saying it's a sin to play golf on your Sabbath day, but I, you know, you, you know what I'm saying. We, he said, there's something here. Pay attention. Lastly, Jesus said that the Sabbath is God's gift to us. He was in once in dialogue or discussion, maybe an argument, if you will, with the religious leaders, and they were talking about the Sabbath, and and Jesus said, you know, just remember, the Sabbath was made to serve us. Not us to serve the Sabbath. God gave us the Sabbath. He gave us this idea of rest for our blessing. So for those three reasons, I want to challenge us today to just slow down enough, kind of set aside all of our assumptions, and already your minds are saying, there's no way I can do this. That's what most of you are thinking. There's no way I can do this. I got too much stuff to do, you know? And so, and we're already dismissing. I want to challenge you. It's the longest commandment. It's stated positively. It's God's gift to us. Let's at least give God some airtime to think about why it is that you and I should observe the Sabbath. And let's just take a, a moment and, and break down this passage just a little bit. Just, just a couple of big words. The word Sabbath literally means day of rest. That's what it means, day of rest. That's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? That doesn't mean one hour for worship. It means a day of rest. You see the difference? Sabbath is supposed to be for rest. Remember to dedicate the Sabbath. You are to labor six days and, and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. You must not do any work. You must rest, you know? Then he rested on the seventh day. Resting has the idea of recharging, of re-energizing, of refreshing. I can remember when our kids were preschoolers, you know, when they were two and three years old, you know, and they'd go down for a nap. And what would we do? we try to use that hour, hour and a half, two hours to get everything else done we couldn't get done while they were awake, right? So you're running around the house trying to get all this stuff done. And what are they doing? They're recharging their batteries, you know, and then they wake up and you're like, oh, you know, you try to keep up with them. We need to, we need to rest, to recharge, to re-energize. It's holy. That can mean lots of things. Let me simply suggest to you that that means it's supposed to be different. Your Sabbath day is to be different than any other day of the week. It's supposed to be set aside and dedicated to God. And because of that, it's supposed to be different. And God has blessed that day, as it says in verse 11. God has blessed that day. It's in that, that type of day, a different day, a day of rest, a, a day that's set aside for God. It's endowed. God just endows it. He just, he just infiltrates it with everything necessary to create within us the spirit of peace, of contentment, of balance, of wholeness of spiritual wellness in our lives. And so when we take this passage and we kind of summarize it, God's really saying, listen, you and everyone who's a part of your orbit, you know, all those who might be serving you, we need to set aside time from your everyday work and allow me to just re-endow you, re-infuse you with the spiritual resources to be a blessing and to be blessed. Well, how do you do that? What are, what are, 
How is it that you and I actually extract the value of the Sabbath day? What do we need to do to keep it holy and to make a difference? And I, I'm giving you the three R's, you know. It was always interesting to me when I was a kid. My, my father used to always say, you just need a, schools should just teach the three R's, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic. And I'm thinking to myself, but two of those words don't even start with R. You know, writing and, and arithmetic, what school did you go to, you know? And, and, but the three R's, you know, we need to focus on them. Well, these are the three R's, and they all start with R, you know, because I went to good schools. And, and the first thing is you just need to rest. You just need to physically rest. That, that's not just to sleep, but it's also to have rest when you're awake. Now, I don't pretend to be a physical expert. I'm really, for the most part, I don't want to know very much about medical things because it just makes me feel guilty about what I'm eating and what I'm not doing and et cetera. It's just, it's just a nuisance, you know? So I try to stay away from a lot of that stuff. But, but I know this, that when I don't sleep well and when my wife doesn't sleep well, we get cranky. The disposition just changes a little bit, you know? Now, that, that's a symptom to us, isn't it? That when we don't rest, it affects us. It affects who we are. This was a no-brainer to the Israelites, right? What have they been doing in Egypt? I mean, these guys are, are weeks, maybe at best a month or two removed from being in Egypt. What were they doing in Egypt? Seven days a week. They're cranking out bricks without straw. They, they know what it's like to live life with no rest. And so God says, you know it's not good to live that way. And I'm telling you, don't live life that way. If you want to enjoy the best that I have for you, set aside time to rest. You know, Jesus at one point in time in the midst of a really heavy load of ministry, there was all kinds of opportunities, all kinds of impacts he could have been making. Both he and his disciples, he said to them, there were so many people coming to Jesus. He said to his disciples, we need to get away off by ourselves where we can be alone and rest a while. That's Mark chapter 6, verse 31. You know, it's interesting. I, I came across this tidbit in history that, that, during, that as a part of the French Revolution, in, in their effort to kind of get the church out of the fingers of a lot of things, one of the th- first things they wrote into the New Constitution was that there would be a seven-day work week. No longer were we going to restrict the day. And it was literally just months before they had to repeal it because it was having such a negative impact on the people. They had to say, you know, we need to reinstate a day of rest. You know, we, we, have, we, we have a tendency in our culture to boast about how much work we can do. You know, I can work seven days a week. I, I remember reading one time Lee Iacocca talking about these guys he would interview. He was interviewing from, for very high-level jobs, you know, with, with the automaker. And, and he would interview them. They'd say, you know, I, I haven't had a vacation in three years, and I can work seven days a week, and I can work 80 hours a week, and I can do all this stuff. And he's thinking to himself, why would I trust you with thousands of employees if you can't even manage your own private life? Where you've got no vacation and, and you know, you're working on... There's something wrong there. We need to rest. It adds to our physical health and to our lifespan. And, and like I said, it's not just sleeping, though that's important, but, but it's the aspect of just having awake time rest. Let me give you another R. So not only does your Sabbath need to include times for rest, it also needs to include time for recalibration. And here's what I mean by that. Everyday life just has this incredible ability to alter our sense of value. One of the reasons why we work perpetually is because we think we've got to push the rock across the goal line by ourselves. You know, so we work, we work, we work, we work, we work, we work, because I've got to get this done. And, and, and it promotes, everyday life just promotes a sense of 
Self-dependence. If I don't do this, nobody's going to do it. If I don't look out for nobody, number one, nobody else is going to look out for nobody, number one. And so we, we're focused in on ourselves and we sense this self-dependence. And, and, and with that, we're, we're working and we're working and we're working. And, and that attitude seeps into our spirits. And what we do is we lose the sense that we really are dependent upon God. And we lose our perspective on what's really valuable. And so a part of, of Sabbath rest is a chance to recalibrate, to get in touch again with what's really important, to be able to see the difference between the temporal and the eternal, between the tangible and the spiritual. You know, and I want to tell you, if you go back to work on Monday morning after a Sunday or, or whatever day you observe your Sabbath and, and, and you haven't been recalibrated, if you don't have a fresh sense of what's truly important in the kingdom, you really haven't had Sabbath rest. Because it recalibrates. You know, there's a way in which setting aside one day for God actually somehow impacts and and consecrates the other six days as well. The part somehow kind of spreads out to the whole. By setting apart a day for God, we understand that all the days belong to God. And it gives us a chance to stop, to slow down, to see how God has indeed worked. And we can celebrate Him. And we can celebrate His creation, which is what God did on His Sabbath day. And we can also celebrate the way that God's working in us. Let me give you a couple of items to include in this area of recalibration. And, and one of those is, as a part of any Sabbath, you need to spend some time with family. You need to spend some time with family. You know, Ecclesiastes 9.9 9 says that we need to enjoy the life, enjoy life with the wife whom we love. And it's just one of many verses that talks about the fact that we extract what's really valuable. We, we come to understand understand we 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 get recalibrated as to what's really valuable by spending time with the family that god has given i think there's your homes and maybe much like our homes but there's been the demise of the the family sunday meal together you know where we sit down at the table at about 1 30 with a big pot roast and all kinds of other stuff we're not supposed to eat anymore and you know and and just sit around the table and visit and enjoy you know we don't do that anymore i think you can do that just as well around some kind of a salad with balsamic something or other on it you know and that kind of stuff <laughs> but it takes family all right off the food stuff right <laughs> In addition to family, I think a part of what helps us recalibrate is, is times of fellowship. Do not neglect meeting together as is the habit of some, as Christina read for us early. But as we say, see the day draw near, all the more gathering together to encourage one another. You've heard me bemoan the fact before that we've made entertaining or hospitality such a, a big thing these days that the vast majority of us haven't had a guest to our home in weeks, if not months. We don't really have any time for fellowship to sit and to enjoy other believers. So there's rest. There's time to recalibrate. And there's a time to be restored. You know, Psalms 23 talks about the fact he restores my soul. You know, one of the impacts of, of the weekly observance of your Sabbath day ought to be to restore your soul. It ought to have a spiritual impact upon us. I wrote down a long time ago a quote by Gordon McDonald. And I think it's just so appropriate for us to read it today. He says, Sabbath rest penetrates to the deepest level of fatigue in the inner private world. This fatigue is rarely touched by any of the modern amusements. Leisure and amusement may be enjoyable, but they are to the private world of the individual like cotton candy to the digestive system. They provide momentary lift, but they will not last. Some of us, we engage in things on our Sabbath day and we enjoy them, but the very next day when we have to launch back out into the world, we still feel tired. We feel out of balance. And we feel disconnected from God and from the stuff that's really important to God and to us. And, and we hear this challenge for us to be restored. 
God calls upon us to be people who are restored. Certainly, it involves corporate worship. Some of you, I know you have to work on Sundays, and, and so you need to set apart your Sabbath day to some other day of the week. And, 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 but there's still ways to connect and be a part of a, of a larger worship kind of time. But there's a need place for worship, corporate worship. But there's a place for personal worship. It's a time to get alone with God and to get into God's Word to hear Him speak to you and let your heart respond, that's personal worship. There needs to be a time for just quietness. I hate quietness. My wife will tell you, I'm always turning on the radio. Even when we go out in a boat, i got to turn on the radio. She says, well, why do we have to have that on? You know, and, and they said, but just quietness. I wonder how long many of us can live with just quietness. There's also a need for us to be a people of prayer, to have time to reflect and to listen from God. But there needs to be a restoration to our souls. You know, and if, if, we're really, if, if we really get honest with God, we understand that God's given us this command about the Sabbath for our benefit, and we really begin to engage in the things that, that promote rest and recalibration and restoration of our souls, our lives will be completely different. How do you extract, get started on this journey? First of all, it starts with faith in, faith in Christ. I don't believe that you can really experience Sabbath rest without faith in Christ. You know, Jesus said, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is no way to experience that deep inner rest of the private world without coming to Christ in faith. And I invite you to take that step this morning. If that's not a step that you've already taken in your, your point, you can speak to me as we sing a final song or as you leave the building and I'll be out, out in the lobby or you can write on the back of your connection card, I'm, I'm ready to take the step of becoming a follower of Christ and we'll follow up, but come to Christ because that's where rest is really found. The second step is just do it. Find what works with you for you and just do it. When you do it, you know, Sundays, yes, it doesn't have to be Sunday. Many of you, that doesn't work. But find a day. Find that point where you can set aside and do the things that promote you being rested, engaging in recalibration of what's truly important in the eyes of God, and allowing God to feed your soul at a place that you just don't get any other day of the week. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, because I, God says, have blessed it. Let's pray together. God, thanks for the word today. God, we're, we're, we're pragmatists. And many of us are sitting here churning through our heads. You know, I hear the call of God, but I don't know how I can do that. It's hard enough to set aside a morning, let alone a whole day. God, convince us of your goodness and of that of the goodness of your gift to us that Sabbath really is. And then honor our commitments to come to you. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When you invite me, join me as we stand and sing a closing song of celebration to our God. And as we do, I invite our ushers to come forward and to receive our offer.